0: This episode of Enough About Me is brought to you by Casper, an online retailer of premium mattresses for just a fraction of the price, because everyone deserves a great night's sleep. Get $50 off any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com slash Kirk and enter promo code Kirk. Alan Seppenwald, for a long time, has been one of my favorite uh, TV critics. And I don't throw that out loosely because I think the world has changed. When I grew up, there were people like Ebert, and I could name you five or six movie critics across the country. I can't name you one national movie critic now. I can't. Uh, TV critics, you read six or seven because TV matters more. We talk a little about this with with Alan in the podcast. Television right now matters more than movies. And I was a kid that seemed incomprehensible, but it's true. There are fifteen or twenty TV shows I can talk about this year and this shitty year of movies, nothing. Alan has a new book out called TV the Book. Uh, two experts pick the greatest American shows of all time. He's the co-author. They go through one through one hundred, they have a whole ranking system. And it's one of these books that's relentlessly readable. You can put it in your you can put it in your fucking bathroom, you can put it in your bag. And go through it. I can open the page 299. It doesn't matter. You don't have to read it in order. It's one of these things you can pick through and go through forever. I had a great time uh, reading it. I just picked up yesterday. I was about halfway through it, but Alan was nice enough to come on. We had a good talk about television. Uh, the TV rankings in it is uh, particularly interesting to me. We go back and forth. And television today, because I feel like the network shows are dead. There's nothing. But Alan disagrees. He gives you two or three shows to watch this year in network television. So a fun time with Alan Seppel. And I'm telling you, if you get a chance, pick up TV the book. It is definitely worth reading. For me, I don't know about you, but for me, all the time, I always have a book in my rotation uh, in my bathroom. A bathroom book, and it's almost always a list book. It could be, or it could be like a encyclopedia book, like Bill James, or Simmons' basketball book, or David Thompson's movie book. This is not in any way uh, a criticism. It's about the highest compliment. I could put TV, the book, in my bathroom for like a year and go through it. Is that, is that understandable? That was, that was I think, one of our goals. I don't know if it was ever <laughs> spoken, but it was sort of assumed like this
1: this was a book designed to be read, not all in a row, although I think you get certain things out of it if you go in order, but you can just sort of pay it, thumb around, find a show you're interested in or a show you've never heard of before, read about it. That might inspire you to jump to another show 50 pages away, and however however long it takes and whatever room you need to do it in, we're happy.
0: So it started out basically the two of you guys, you and, and Matt, uh, Sat down and said, did, was it we're going to do the 100 greatest television shows of all time? Were you just looking to do a TV book together? Or was it just, you know, what was the genesis of it?
1: Well, Matt and I worked together for 10 years at the Star-Ledger, New right. Jersey. And we were really great friends in addition to being partners on the TV beat. And we hadn't worked together in about 10 years. And during that second decade, we would talk all the time about finding some way to... To team up again because we missed it, and finally one day Matt calls me out of the blue and says, "Hey, we should do you know the bo- a book on the best TV shows of all time because there's really not a book like that out there, and that's kind of ridiculous considering how great and now how respected TV is. So let's get together. So it was as much an excuse to just hang out and write together as it was a desire to see a book like this
0: exist. You know, this is I I, I should have thought of this when before I did this. I think Ty Burr wrote about it in the Globe this weekend or last weekend. Somebody tweeted at me. I I read it, and I'm going to give him credit even though it might not be him. And it's not a totally original thought, but it was well written. TV just matters more right now than anything else. We spend more time talking about, you know, on our show, our morning show here, about a TV show, whether it's Making a murder or House of Cards. or You know, pick the show. Game of Thrones, they have their fans. And I'm a massive movie fan, a huge movie fan. You don't sit around and talk about movies that come out. Like this year, I haven't had a conversation with anybody about any movie that came out this year. Well, you talk about four or five, six or seven different TV shows. TV just matters much more right now than movies, and it's not even close.
1: No, it, it really isn't. I mean, there's certainly lots of great movies out there, and I would never be someone who would just come out and say, oh, God, TV is so much better than movies. But
0: It is right true- now, though.
1: But I think but I like a lot of, there's a lot of good movies that just not many people are seeing. The big budget blockbuster movies certainly are not matching up to the best of what you're finding, especially on cable and on streaming. But yeah, like the things that people are paying attention to, the the stories that matter, especially on the drama side, that seems to really be happening in T V right now.
0: And your point is, I think, in the book and you've written over the past few years when I've read you, is that started that that shift definitely started for me anyway, and it seems like for you too. From the pile of The Sopranos, I think everything got flipped over and changed right there. And I don't think television's been the same since. That was the seismic moment, I think, where TV sort of had its had, had its golden run.
1: Yeah, I mean, that, my last book was all about that the revolution was televised. Right. They talked about that and the, and the Wire and Oz and everything else. And yeah, it was absolutely like, I came into TV, I started covering it in 1996. That was the era of NYPD Blue and ER and Homicide and some other really good shows. And this seemed like, oh, this is the best ever, but it was still, there was a lot of like, Oh, you write about TV? Okay. Do you ever get to write about movies? And now it's completely flipped to the point where people find out that I write about TV and they're immediately excited to talk about their favorite show. And because there's now so much of it, everybody's favorite show is different.
0: But with this and you have the you guys rank the Sopranos number 2 of all time. You have the I'll I'll spoil it if and you should get the book. Yeah, feel feel free it's TV, been out there. TV the book, you know, it's it's great. Go get it today. It's out there at Barnes and Noble or wherever amazon.com obviously you can get it there. You guys are tweeting about it. So you are going to find it I have a copy in my hands right now. You have the Simpsons ranked number 1. And this the, the point of this book is obviously to argue about this stuff. The problem with me with the Simpsons is it's been on for like 45 fucking years and <laughs> nobody nobody on a Monday morning in the water cool in America, it has been decades since somebody has talked about a new Simpsons episode. Is that would you do you understand that part of the criticism or no?
1: I do to an extent, but I would I would say a couple things in its defense. First of all, let's let let's talk sports for a second. Okay. Like, do you want to punish Willie Mays because he fell down in the outfield for the Mets at the end? No,
0: but if he played for the Mets for 14 years and fell down in the outfield... You but, know. But I don't six... think it
1: matters because the Willie Mays who played for the Giants was so phenomenally better than all but two or three
0: people so to ever play the game. Peak, peak value. Whatever he did after shouldn't matter. So peak value is what you're saying.
1: Yeah, peak value, and its peak value was a really long time, so that's that's number one. Number two, I think, like, yes, there were some really bad years in the teens for that show, and, and I will not, you know, try to argue with you on that. But I also think, like, the last five, six, seven years of the show have been actually very good, but because it's been on for so long and because there was that bad period beforehand, nobody's really paying attention anymore, and so it gets dismissed, but I, I really don't think it's – quite the shadow of itself that everybody says it is, but certainly, like, the, the time to talk about it is gone. But The Simpsons, from, like, season 3 to season 11, 12, 13, that's as good as television has ever been.
0: Do you think it's had a cultural impact and a television influence uh, on the scale of Sopranos?
1: Huge, huge. I mean, if you look at, like, comedy, if you look at animation, at satire, at just sort of the... Like the ways in which The Simpsons was considered shocking back in 1990 and now is relatively mild compared to things that we also sort of shrug off as, oh, this is just a thing in popular culture. Like Family Guy does things now that The the Simpsons would have been taken off the air for 25 years ago.
0: And you have – so what's interesting, so you guys break it down. You have this whole uh, chart. We have six different ways to rank the shows, right? One one through ten. And you and Matt somehow, sort of impossibly, come up with five shows that tied originally for number one, right? Am I right in saying that?
1: Yeah, yeah. we came up with a tie uh, when we did the scoring the first time. Right. And we originally said, like, okay, let's go through and maybe we're, we'll, like, study the rankings one against each other and figure it out that way. And that didn't really seem right to us. So instead we had this big sort of debate on G-Chat that we reproduced in the book right. instead.
0: All right. I'm looking at it. Sopranos, Breaking Bad, Cheers, The Simpsons, and The Wire. Uh, it, and I'm glad that you guys had Cheers in there because in a weird way, so I'm 41, I'll be 42 uh, in a couple of weeks. I'm sort of at the end of, of people who appreciate the Cheers. Cheers, for some reason, for people like a generation or two younger, is not caught on like Seinfeld has, is not caught on even like Friends has. It hasn't gotten that second life, and I'm not sure why because I agree with you guys. If you don't count all in the Family as a sitcom, if you count it as something else, Cheers, I think, is the best ever, the purest, best sitcom ever, but for some reason... Doesn't resonate for people who are in their twenties and thirties, and I'm not really sure why.
1: Because I think it's just a little bit older. So you know, the people who who are in their twenties and thirties now, they were growing up at a time when even if Friends and Seinfeld weren't in first run, and some for some of them it was. It, they were ubiquitous in syndication, and they're still on in syndication. Whereas Cheers was largely done with that by that point. Right. And so, even though it's on Netflix now, and I think on Hulu now, and you can stream it, it just doesn't sort of stick out in in the mind. But what I've been really heartened about is whenever I sort of tell tell younger people to go watch Cheers, and they sample an episode or two on Netflix, they're really pleasantly surprised by how well it holds up. It really hasn't aged in a way that you know, even All in the Family or Lucy or some of the other really classic sitcoms have
0: you know what cheers never did to i don't think it ever had a shitty season like i don't i don't i don't look at any particular season to cheers and say wow they, they kind of lost it like even when it was down the stretch obviously we knew the characters was getting a little tired but even at the end it was still a really good sitcom
1: no it absolutely wasn't shelly long did the show this enormous favor by quitting no after question five
0: years. no question
1: like because it you know like, Diane was great and I think those five years with her are the best part of the show but I don't think the show could have sustained itself for much longer with that relationship they were just going to run out of steam and so this allowed them to reinvent themselves and do basically another six years as a new show with mostly the same characters
0: alright so we're done with Cheers which is a great sitcom I grew up loving it obviously I think it's maybe the second or third best sitcom of all time but I think the best show of all time is Sopranos Alan doesn't agree with that we're going to talk about why in a moment this episode of Enough About Me is brought to you by Casper, an online retailer of premium mattresses for just a fraction of the cost. They're revolutionizing the industry by cutting the cost of dealing with resellers and showrooms and passing the savings directly to the customer. They offer free delivery, painless returns on a 100-day period, 100 days. You have to lie down in the showroom. You know what You want to try the new bed you like it. You have three months to find if you like it or not, and you're going to like it. I got my new Casper mattress. to try it out. So soft, so comfortable, life-changing. Sleeping's the most important part of the day. It's the healthiest part of the day. It's the part you need most. Use Casper mattress. You get free shipping and returns to U.S. and Canada. They're made in the U.S.A. again. Free delivery and painless returns within a 100-day period. You guys know I don't sit here and hawk products all the time. I'm not going to hawk this one unless I believe it. And I believe in Casper Matches. Free shipping returns to the U.S. and Canada. And again, made in the U.S.A. And you can get that Casper Matches for $500. That's for a twin or nine fifty dollars for king size. Compare this to industry averages. That's an outstanding price point. And you can save another $50 bucks toward a purchase by going to Casper.com slash Kirk, K-I-R-K. Enter promo code Kirk. That's Casper.com slash Kirk. Enter the promo code Kirk. Terms and conditions apply. So why isn't The Sopranos the best show of all time?
1: Uh, Because I just think The Simpsons is better. That's uh, that's really what it came down to. And one of the reasons that I was able to convince Matt of that, because I think he was really pushing hard for The Sopranos, is we had this long argument for, for just trying to figure out Sopranos versus The Wire. And we weren't quite agreeing on that, whereas when we were debating Simpsons versus Cheers, Cheers, much as we loved it, got dismissed almost instantly. So it's like the gap between The Simpsons and the next best comedy is so much huger than the gap between either The Sopranos or The Wire and the next best drama.
0: When was *The* when was Sopranos peak, would you say? I would say seasons one and two of The Sopranos are the best two seasons of television, in my opinion, of all time.
1: Uh, I would say season one of The Sopranos is probably the best season because that's the one where it's Tony versus his mother, and that there's no conflict the show ever did after. That resonated as much as that, uh, you know. Even though they tried, and I think there, there's a lot of great stuff in that last season, for instance. But the first is definitely the
0: best. If there was no uh, Johnny Cake subplot, would you maybe put Sopranos number one? Was Was Vito in New Hampshire no, too much for you? No, because
1: cause again, The Simpsons has done stupid things too, so it's not. Yeah, but but, definitely... the, but the
0: but The Simpsons can do stupid things in the Simpson world. The Sopranos, and I would rank it number one myself. But Chase would go on these weird side turns that they were were interesting to watch from a risk factor. But when they failed, man, I mean, I mean, he spent so much time on Vito in New Hampshire and on on uh, on Anthony Junior in that last season. It's almost head scratching when you go back now.
1: Well, I mean, the, you know why they did the Vito in New Hampshire thing, right? No, the, the season was originally they went into it not sure how many episodes. Oh, they the final split year was the seasons, right,
0: or something?
1: Yeah, no, it, it yeah. was just they they went in and they hadn't agreed with Chase yet. Like, right. are you going to do one year or two years? how many episodes so they had this sort of arc plotted out and then midway through making the first half of season six they said okay we'll do another year after this and so suddenly a lot of things like the whole mob war with new york that happens at the end of the final half of the season would have happened earlier on but they had to sort of elongate it out and they needed to come up with something to fill the time and that wound up being Vito in new hampshire
0: which which i'm are you a fan of or not a fan of
1: not really. I mean, I like a lot of the other sort of weird things that the Sopranos did that some other people no, are too. annoyed by, but I certainly wouldn't regret if that one vanished.
0: Why not The Wire?
1: Um again, I just think that I like The Simpsons more. I think
0: How do you it's comp- How do you because- even it isn't it is, you know, it's 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 like comparing if you want to do sports again though. It is like comparing uh, quarterback to a, you know, a point guard almost, comparing The Simpsons to The Wire. It's, it's Yeah, no, and it's and
1: it's one of the reasons that we only did comedies and dramas in the book. Originally, we were talking about doing, like, you know, we would have The Tonight Show and Sesame Street and yeah, Wild World of Sports right, right. and 60 Minutes and all these other kinds of things in there, and eventually we felt like the, the comparisons between comedy and drama are going to be hard enough, let's not make it even more ridiculous, so... That's what we did, and I I just think that The Simpsons sort of did more things for a longer period of time and was better at its peak, you know, as great as Sopranos and The Wire both are. But also, like, you know, if you're talking about sort of consistency about a show that never really put a foot wrong, Breaking Bad, probably the most consistent, great show ever made, and I think we wound up putting that fifth, just because Matt and I, as both critics and as fans of TV, we sort of tend to prize – slightly more like shows that gamble, even if the gambles don't always pay off. And so Sopranos did some crazy things and not all of them worked like Vito or like, you know, Christopher doing heroin for eight episodes or whatever. But, you know, man, when it worked, it really worked incredibly.
0: Yeah, I was watching, I was on a plane and uh, Aaron Lingus, for some reason they had random Sopranos episodes available. (laughs) And I watched and, and, you know, you can watch, as you know, you can watch and you watch four or five in a row. And it was the one where they whacked Pussy at the end of season two. And I don't think I watched it in six or seven years. Oh, fun it That's is a, great one. a fucking great hour of television. I mean, it's just a great hour of television.
1: Yeah, no, I remember we were, I think I was on my honeymoon when that happened because we got married uh, earlier in the day on the night of the episode where Janice shoots Richie. Right, Richie. We, like, yeah. we, we were like, like o- opening up the wedding presents as we watched this episode. And so we, we came back and we saw Big Pussy after after a honeymoon in Italy, appropriately enough. And that's, again, when that show hit, it's no, nothing was better, dramatically. Do
0: you think Chase will do anything again?
1: He's he's developing some stuff. He For about five, six years now, he's been working on some miniseries about the early days of Hollywood right. that he would do for HBO. I don't know if it's going to happen or not. We, we'll see. I would certainly like to see it.
0: What did you think of uh, the night of overall?
1: Uh, I thought the first episode was by far the best episode of it, and I sort of wound up grading it on a curve for a long time afterwards, because that first one was really just so intense and good. And then by the end, it had a lot of flaws, but I thought the, the performances were great, and the direction was really good. It was not perfect. It's sort of like True Detective in that way, where like it really comes out with a bang, and then by the end, it petered out a little bit, but I... I would like to see them do like another season, maybe with different characters, as opposed to bringing these guys back.
0: It was hard for me to watch that show. Every time I saw Turturro, though, I thought the Gandolfini who was going to star in it. And I saw Simmons said last week that there's a pilot with Gandolfini that was actually shot. Is that true?
1: Well, no, what it is is the entire pilot that you, that you saw was filmed, I think, in 2012. Right. Um, and the version that aired is the version they shot in 2012, other than that they did new scenes with Torturo. And my understanding is the version with Gandolfini, uh, the Stone appears much more briefly than he does in the final pilot. Like, he, he's only on screen for about 90 seconds, maybe. So it's just sort of he's walking through the precinct, he he sees Nas, he walks out, he goes back in, and that's it. And all of his other stuff is going to come later. So it's not like if you were to see the version with Gandolfini, you would be getting a brand new James Gandolfini performance, you would be getting a glorified cameo.
0: Are we going to get... So you have your... I think you call it the inner circle, right? Is that the 10 best shows of all yes. time? If you do this again in 15 or 20 years, let's say, or 25 years, you guys do a second edition, a third edition, a fourth edition, from today... Till 20 years from now, if you do a top 20 list, is there any chance you're going to have a network show in those 20 years to make this list? Or is network television dead? Are you? Are you do you subscribe Never, to that Network
1: television's not dead. There's some new shows debuting over the next few weeks that I'm kind of excited about. But Have you seen the Keeper
0: Sutherland show?
1: I've, that designated survivor I haven't seen yet, but like I like uh, Pitch, which is the Fox show with the female pitcher. I like This Is Us, which is the NBC show um, with the family drama, the, the Good Place, which is the one with Kristen Bell and Ted Danson. So there, there's some things with potential. You never know. Um, it's certainly harder, especially for like a network drama, to do what a cable or a streaming drama can do today. What is the
0: last classic network show? Great.
1: Uh, Lost? No, I mean, Friday Night Lights was was still on the air after a That's Locked true.
0: Ended. I don't think of that right. Yeah, I think of that as... Yeah,
1: the the right. Good Wife, when it was at its best, was really good like that. it They announced that it was ending after we had already finalized the top 100. Otherwise, I imagine it probably would have slipped in there somewhere, like in in the you know, 80, 90 range. And you know, Parenthood was pretty great. Hannibal, which we have pretty high, because Matt was a huge fan of it. You know, That was somehow on network TV for three years, which is... A staggering so you never know.
0: is blackish that kind of show?
1: Blackish is I think you know I think blackish could certainly wind up in the Pantheon We have that whole works in progress section where we talk about shows that are still on the air right now and there's definitely a bunch of them that if we do a new edition even five years from now, I could imagine a bunch of them winding up in the top 100. The Americans will surely unless it's just complete you know crap for the last two years wind up very highly in the top 100. I could see the leftovers doing that some others.
0: How about, I saw, where'd you have Mad Men ranked?
1: Mad Men finished, hold on, it's in the top ten, I just gotta check the table of contents to be sure on the number, one, two, three, four, five, it is sixth.
0: Sixth. No, oh,
1: seventh, uh, yeah, yeah, sixth.
0: Okay. I, I, I really like Mad Men a lot, another show that went, to me though, you can take Mad Men only so seriously because it is so Sopranos influenced that you can't take it, it's, it's almost like a spin-off of the Sopranos.
1: Um, I, I mean, it's sort of. Totally I mean, it's a
0: great, a great I mean, a, a great show. But I mean, the writer, the creator, is obviously a Sopranos guy, and there is a lot of Tony Soprano and Don Draper.
1: Yeah, no, there is, but there's also a lot of Tony Soprano in Walter White to no degree. No a degree. There's Tony Soprano in Vic Mackey. I mean, it's there's we're we're living with the, all the bastard sons of Tony Soprano, and I don't think it's fair to hold too much of that against them. And I think ultimately, Mad Men, like it's about different things. It's it's. Sopranos was a show about how hard it is for any person to ever change anything, and Mad Men is a lot more like the people on that show changed a lot.
0: How about the the Netflix factor? You know, when going forward here, when you look at it, I mean, you're probably going to have ten or fifteen Netflix shows on this list the next time you do it. I mean, it's it's it's
1: maybe I don't know. I don't know that it would be that many. I think there's a lot. Netflix does a lot of stuff, and a lot of it's interesting, but I think a lot of it also gets overhyped because it's on Netflix and everybody has a subscription. Like, I think House of Cards is crap. I think
0: no, House well, of Cards is, is, is so—it's it's, it's gone into, like, ludicrous world now. It's like Dexter. It's gotten unrealistic. But I think it was
1: pretty much always ludicrous, and the, in the early days we were just excited that there was a brand-new Netflix show. Yeah. You know, I think Narcos is okay. It's yeah. certainly not great. It doesn't stack up with a lot of these other sort of drug sagas. Um, I mean, a lot of the Netflix—what Netflix does is they have this idea where it's like, we're going to make a 13-hour movie. And, like, we're not even going to worry about, like, what's the structure of each episode. And that's really hard to pull off. And so you get a a lot of Netflix shows, even the really good ones, like something like Jessica Jones, they just start sagging in the middle and running out of plot because they they just don't know how to sustain it for that long. And so the ones I like tend to be the ones that are either half-hour comedies, like I think BoJack Horseman is incredible. That, whenever it's done, could certainly be in the top 100 or Orange is the New Black or Master of None. But a lot of the hours are maybe not as good as they could be.
0: Are there any shows, and I guess people listen to this podcast or or listen to me know that I'm always looking for something in there too, these shows that nobody knows about. You love to discover something. Are there two or three shows that we're not watching at all that are worth watching?
1: Uh, rectify, which is about to do its final season on Sunday, in October, yeah. but the first three seasons are on Netflix. It's wonderful. It, I mean, it's really kind of a niche show. I understand why nobody's watching it because mm-hmm. it's very slow and ethereal and thoughtful, but it's just, it's beautiful and emotionally powerful And I love that one a lot. Uh, Leftovers, which I talked about before, Mm -hmm. very few people are watching, and it's going to do its final season sometime early next year. And that second season of The Leftovers, I would stack up with basically the best of The Sopranos or The Wire or Deadwood. That's how good it was last
0: year. It's funny. HBO has some shows that just didn't make it, but I thought were really good. And I'm drawing a blank here. The one with Laura Dern and Luke Wilson, I I loved, which was a great—is that in the book?
1: That's in the book, yeah. That's somewhere in the 50s, I think. Oh, really? It's ranked that high? Yeah, Matt loved it, and I liked it a lot. So, you know, sometimes if one of us is a huge fan of a show, it became very easy to get it How up. about In Treatment? In Treatment's on there, too. Yeah, that... I. It's funny, I ran into, like, a... Uh, pr- a producer on in treatment at Press Tour a couple of weeks ago and I showed him a copy of the book and he worked on that show for 3 years and even he was surprised we had A put it in there and B put it as high as we did cuz it's just been so forgotten.
0: It's one of those shows too though that was completely uh guest reliant. It all depended on who he was working. You know what I mean it, it, the Gabriel Byrne character in his zone was okay but it was so heavily influenced on who he was with in the room. I mean, some of them sucked, and some of them were great, I thought. Yeah,
1: exactly. Like, him with kids was fantastic. Right. You know, him uh, him with John Mahoney, him with Irfan Khan it was incredible. But, like, Deborah Winger, he would expect to be amazing. Sucked. That character was kind of a bust.
0: Yeah, it wasn't her favorite. He was terrible. All in the Family is on, in the pantheon. I don't know if you – last week there was a podcast. Maybe The Hollywood Reporter did it with Jerry Seinfeld. I don't know if you heard it or not. And he was talking. He was. I think he was promoting the Comedians thing, which had been nominated for an Emmy. And they talked about the, the no hugging, no learning, you know, rule from Seinfeld and he said that no one uh, watches sitcoms to learn. Nobody watches sitcoms to understand. And I thought that was interesting, but then I also thought maybe he didn't wasn't a big fan of Norman Lear and all the family because that they were able to kind of think do both at the same time, which I haven't really seen since.
1: I mean, I think Blackish is kind of doing yeah. that. I think there, you know, Carmichael show on NBC is a very Norman Leary kind of thing. So there's, you're definitely seeing more of it now than you used to fresh off the boat. Like, ABC has a lot of these family comedies about non-white families that are as much about sort of educating people about culture as they are about being funny. So it can be done and, you know, I mean, Cosby Show, which is in the book, although the essay is mainly about sort of our problem watching the Cosby Show anymore, I mean, that's a classic example of a show that was both educational and funny at the same time.
0: But literally, I'm unwatchable now. Like, I can't sit down with my kids and watch the co- just, I was, you, you, I was you, you watching
1: it with my kids. We were in, a mid- in the middle of a binge of it when, um, when the scandal sort of really started breaking, and I said, okay, I can't do this anymore.
0: Was there a show that Matt ranked you know sort of so insanely high that you couldn't believe it the show that you thought was maybe not even not terrible but mediocre and he had it sort of among the all-time greats and you were like what the fuck are you thinking about
1: Uh, i would say more it happened the other way like matt's not happy that boardwalk empire is in the top 100 which he thought was a pretty good show but not worthy of that so that's that's on me and we will we will disagree with that at least until the next edition when more recent things will probably bump it out anyway
0: what do you think is the is the most – what would you say is the most overrated show of all time?
1: Uh, I don't know. I'm overrated. It's hard to say just because, like, we we need a little distance from it. But certainly I think Modern Family
0: has oh, won a ridiculous number, number of Emmys so for a show
1: that even its best was just pretty good. It was and okay. It was really yeah. not.
0: But is, is, that, doesn't that seem to be the trick with – even with, with network sitcoms, like, especially now, you, you 22 of these things for seven, eight, nine years, eventually it's just not funny. The kids get older it just becomes unfunny.
1: It can be it can be hard to do, but again Cheers ran eleven years.
0: So no kids it, though. No kids. Kids kids are weird. Kids are weird when they get older.
1: Kids complicated, but you know, I think yeah, my three sons, that ran about eighty years, right?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, I, yeah, is that right?
1: Uh, no, not that yeah, long, but it ran a very long time.
0: Um yeah, I the the thing about I just to get back to Cheers real quick, the incredible thing about Cheers is is that it has heart. In sitcoms today, some do, some don't but there was always heart in Cheers, if that makes sense. It was the, it was, yes. the jokes were important, but the jokes were secondary. The characters mattered the most.
1: No, absolutely. And it's, you know, the Cheers had room for silence. It had room for, not, for drama, but just silence. like you, Or just letting characters talk and interact without having to worry about a joke. And now there's all this pressure to have a joke constantly, especially in these multi-cam sitcoms shot in front of an audience where it's just boom, 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 set up punchline, set up punchline, set up punchline, and nothing breathes and nothing has time to properly set itself up and properly land, so it's really hard to do. And Cheers, you watch it, and, you know, it's definitely shticky, and everybody has got their catchphrases and things like that, but they feel like people.
0: What do you do now when you rank these shows, right? And let's say you have the X-Files. I'm just flipping through, I see the X-Files what happens if you didn't like the X-Files that came out last year? Do you do you...
1: We we considered that its own thing. Our feeling was we're essentially rating the X-Files that aired on Fox in the 90s and early 2000s.
0: What did you think of this last X-Files?
1: I thought it was pretty dire other than one or two episodes. I thought the funny one with with the were monster was very good and liked sort of the classic X-Files comedy episodes and I think I liked one of the other standalones. The rest were a real mess.
0: What did you do with Lost, which to me is remains the most infuriating not not just television experience, but I think experience of my lifetime, being going through the Lost ringer for those years. I'm still I'm still in recovery, because the stuff I loved, I loved, and the stuff I hated, I hated.
1: Well, and that's what the essay is mainly about. Yeah. Is sort of Lost could be infuriating and thrilling within about three seconds of each other. And it all sort of came from the same place. And only, the sh- only a show that we loved for the good stuff could make us as angry at the bad stuff. And I ultimately felt like the good stuff was so good that I was, you know, with time, I'm able to forgive the rest.
0: Where did it rank? I mean, I'm, I need the specific It number. ranked
1: in the 20s somewhere.
0: You guys both liked it that much? Yep. And Seinfeld is in the pantheon, the inner circle. Seinfeld,
1: yeah, no, Seinfeld's in the top ten.
0: And Seinfeld at this point is, is, I swear to you, Seinfeld is more popular now than it was in 1995. I, I, there's no doubt in my mind. I, I, more people like it now. If they brought it back on the air and brought the cast back, it would be the number one show on television. I'm convinced of that. There's a love for Seinfeld like I've never seen for anything else.
1: What's funny is, like, in a lot of other cases, when you sort of you have creators who do one show for broadcast and then they do a very similar one for cable, the cable one is almost always better. Like, Deadwood's better than NYPD Blue, The Wire is better than Homicide. But you know, we wound up ranking Seinfeld ahead of Curb Your Enthusiasm. I think it was just it was more consistent overall, and even you know, as great as Curb is, I think Seinfeld was funnier. I
0: might say I might say Curb at its peak, though, might be better than Seinfeld. Uh,
1: Yeah, but Curb was much more inconsistent, way more uneven, like bad episodes and even bad seasons of Curb. Worse, that really wasn't the case with Seinfeld, especially after about a year and a half.
0: If they canceled NYPD Blue after, like, three years, I'm convinced it would be a top-ten show for you. Uh, it dragged on for so long and got so dumb. The it, first would, two... it would
1: be a little bit higher, but I really we tried not to punish shows too much for the decline phase. You know, like, I'm, I've been watching with the Hall of Fame, like, Tim Raines, I think has one year of eligibility left, and he's yeah. being screwed over because he was a platoon player for too long at the end. But like Tim Raines in the 80s was a Hall of Famer, and it's not fair that he's being treated this way now.
0: And you, so you did you did things separately for like True Detective Season 1 or miniseries. That's a whole different thing, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. We Miniseries were its own thing. Current shows were its own thing. And we also have this section we call The Certain Regard, which is basically honorable mention. So sometimes it's shows we liked but probably weren't pantheon worthy or like seasons of shows that we thought were really good even if the show as a whole wasn't great or shows that were interesting historically for one reason or That's another. That's got
0: to be – I haven't got to that part yet, but like Homeland Season 1 has to be that, right? That's yep, by yep. definition. Yeah, Homeland
1: Season 1, Dexter Season 4, Sons of Anarchy Season 2.
0: Which one is season – is that John Lithgow?
1: John Lithgow, yeah. That
0: was a great season. But Indeed. De- but Dexter is – I always – Dexter became like a superhero where like it just got more and more ridiculous that he was – It's in a way, I feel like he's similar to Frank Underwood that at some point – Somebody else is going to be like, well, obviously Frank Underwood is evil and is doing all these terrible things. Like, this doesn't make any sense. How is Dexter? Dexter's killed like 500 people. At some point, somebody is smart enough.
1: It becomes it becomes also, ludicrous. It becomes ludicrous, but also the show got kind of Stockholm Syndrome with him. Like, in the first couple of years, there was a sense that the show seemed aware that, yes, he's killing serial killers, but he's still a bad person doing a bad thing. Right. And after a while, they just fell in love with him and thought he was a hero.
0: That was kind of the beauty of Tony Soprano, is that Chase never made him cuddly, you know? Anytime, he got worse. Anytime he got worse right. at the end then at the <laughs> right. Anytime you start to kinda like Tony Soprano or have a sympathy for him, Chase would do something where it was so despicable. You're like, oh I, you for, you forgot because you like him, you're rooting for him. He's a scumbag, which is which was a movie really hadn't seen before that. Yeah. How about uh, so you say Desi- so you haven't seen Design Survivor yet, but you think there are two or three reasons for us to be optimistic here in the upcoming weeks for T V?
1: Yeah, no, I mean, I there's about like, but across cable, streaming, and broadcast, I got like 20, maybe even 25 shows. I'm at least going to set a season pass for. I may not stick with them. Like, pilots can be deceiving. But a year ago, I was excited about basically no-do shows, and this year there's a lot I want to see. There's been some really good stuff just debuting this week. Atlanta last night on FX, the Donald Glover show. Mm-hmm. Pamela Adlon has another FX show called Better Things that's great. One Mississippi on Amazon. There's there's some really cool stuff. It's not always in the most conventional of places, but... This is an exciting time to be a TV fan, or in my case, a TV critic.
0: Excellent. The book is great. TV the book. Uh, two extras picked the greatest American shows of all time. Alan Seppman was a co-author. We appreciate that. And I do appreciate following you on Twitter. Uh, you are part of a cult. Simmons is one of them as well. I talk to him <laughs> about it once in a while. The Midnight Run cult is a loyal, loyal group. It is my, I'm telling you, it's my favorite movie of all time. And it's uh, nice. I've watched it's it 5,000 times. It is a perfect, perfect movie. There's not a flaw in that movie.
1: No. No, and it's really not. And relentlessly one day I'm going to find out why you're unpopular with the Chicago Police Department.
0: Why are you so unpopular with the Chicago Police Department, <laughs> Alan? I appreciate it. Thanks a lot.
1: Thanks for having me. All
0: right. Thanks as always for listening to the Enough About Me podcast. If you want more podcasts like this with guests like Artie Lang, where, who else can have Artie Lang and fucking Bob Ryan on the same podcast, or David Portnoy and uh, John Tomasi? If you want to listen to podcasts like this, you go to iTunes, Stitcher, you go to wei.com, you go to the mobile app. When you go to iTunes, leave a rating, leave a review, and subscribe. That's going to help us out a lot. If you want more of these, leave a rating, leave a review, and subscribe. Make sure you do that for me. That is a command. Now do it. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe.